Good morning, Tejas. Welcome to your premier alternative news solution. I am Jake Ramirez, and I will be bringing you daily news Monday through Friday. I'm hoping to curate news for Texans by a born and raised Texan. Today is Monday, December 16th. I hope everybody had a great weekend. Before we begin, please go ahead and give us a subscribe so I can keep you up to date on all your daily Texas news. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for even more news and updates. Today in Texas history, on this day in 1826, Benjamin Edwards and about 30 men rode into Nacogdoches and declared the Republic of Fredonia, thus instituting an attempted minor revolution known as the Fredonian Rebellion. Benjamin was the brother of Hayden Edwards, who had received a grant near Nacogdoches and had settled some 50 families there. Fearing that the brothers were about to lose their land, Benjamin took the desperate step of declaring independence from Mexico. In spite of an attempt to get the Cherokees to help, the revolt was easily crushed by the Mexican authorities, and Edwards was forced to flee across the Sabine. In 1837, he actually ran for the governor of Mississippi, but he died during the campaign from embarrassment. Just kidding. He was probably one of the very first people to try and declare independence from Mexico. They were just too strong then, and we weren't as organized. And now it's time for some Texas news. In San Antonio, three bodies buried in a monk burial room and church nave at the Alamo have been discovered. The bodies appear to belong to a teenager, an infant, and a large adult. The bodies were discovered during an archaeological project to install moisture monitoring equipment in the complex while documenting the foundations of the 300-year-old structure. The bodies have not been removed, so expect a few hauntings. A long-standing human remains protocol was activated, the on-site tribal monitor was notified, and the excav excavation was halted at the site. Remains were also discovered in that site in 1989 and identified in 1995. I hope somebody called a priest, because you're going to need to at least call the Ghostbusters. Now in Dallas, for the second time in as many months, a North Texas businessman has been accused of defying the government by continuing to employ undocumented workers despite being caught in the act agreeing to fire them. Four corporate officers of Speedfab Crete and Kindledale admitted to the court papers to shifting their undocumented workers to a staffing company instead of firing them. One year after the I-9 audit first exposed hiring problems, the plea documents say the defendants hid their continued employment of the 23 undocumented employees. The men agreed on December 9th to plead guilty in a federal court in Dallas. So did the owner of the Take Charge Staffing of Fort Worth. The guilty pleas are not official until accepted by a federal judge. Employers have been known to use staffing companies in an attempt to shield them from responsibility of, hire, of f hiring undocumented workers. And repeat offenders are not unusual, but the recent arrest of sig significance, because while workers are often hauled away in cuffs and during immigration and custom enforcement raids, employers have not traditionally faced the prospect of criminal charges. Company owners usually pay a fine. It makes the cases go away. But in this instance, at least one executive will probably have a felony conviction and probably go to jail for a little while. Carl Eugene Hall is listed at, on Speedfab's Creed website as the vice president, president of plant operations. He pleaded guilty to the conspiracy to unlawfully harbor illegal aliens, a felony. And according to the documents, uh, he faces up to five years in prison when sentenced. And he will pay about a $69,000 fine under the terms of the plea agreement. I have mixed feelings about this because on one hand, some of these businessmen actually use illegal legal immigrants to save money, 
and not provide them any kind of proper health care or proper um, care at all. And on the other hand, some of the businessmen really want to help. Either way, you probably shouldn't repeat the same crime that you were just caught doing. So, goes to show, illegal immigration has definitely changed. Some of you may say it's needed. Some of you may say it's not. Either way, this man's probably going to go to jail. Another story out of Dallas. A clerical error by her bank made a North Texas woman a millionaire for a day. Ruth Balloon, and yes, that's her real name, and no, she's not an actual balloon, checked her bank account earlier this week, and it had some extra money in it. A cool $37 million extra, to be exact. Balloon had wanted to believe someone gifted her the $37 million, but she knew it was too good to be true. Her husband called the bank Legacy Texas Bank, which informed the couple the extra money wasn't a Christmas miracle, but mostly a Christmas mistake. The bank apologized. They took the money back, which deflated Balloon. Just kidding. That was a, that was a bad joke. But... This goes to show that not everything's going to add up the way you want it to. It's kind of cruel in my opinion, but mistakes do happen. Unfortunately, she didn't get to keep any of that $37 million. In Sanford, Texas, three teenagers were being called heroes after they rescued a man who was trapped inside of a burning vehicle. Brett Patterson, Luke Thane, and Keith Richards, and I swear to y'all I'm not making these names up, were on their way home when they saw a car engulfed in flames on the road. They stopped they realized that there was actually a person trapped inside. The three teenagers did not hesitate to help. They got out of the cars. They ran to the car on fire. And uh, they didn't waste any time trying to put the fire out with the water that they had in the car. They called 911. They were able to start trying to pull the man out of the car. The man was that was trapped inside of the car was on his way home from cancer treatment when his car caught on fire. After he was dragged away from the vehicle, he was concerned that his medication was still stuck inside the vehicle. And like the true hero that he is, Luke Thane and not the son of Thanos, said your medication is replaceable, but your life is not. Cue the slow motion car explosion and close up on Thane. And all jokes aside, these three brave young men acted quick. They saved this man's life. He did walk away with a third degree burn on his leg, but he survived. They also started a GoFundMe for the man to help raise medical expenses for his medical expenses and to replace his car. Um, I'll post a link for the GoFundMe on Facebook. Um, if you're interested in helping, please do. In Belton, Texas, a father is asking people to send Christmas cards to his son who has autism. Marty Mendoza made a post on the Kids with Special Needs Facebook group asking people to send cards to his 33-year-old son, Marty Mendoza Jr., who's nonverbal and who has autism. Marty Jr. has seizures regularly, and due to his illness, Mendoza is unable to work. Mendoza said Marty Jr. has never really had a Christmas because he's a stay-at-home dad, and they live on a really tight budget, so he thought receiving Christmas cards would really make his son's day. He wants his son to know that he's not lost in the world, and anyone interested in sending Marty Jr. a Christmas card can do so at the following address. Marty Mendoza Jr., 416 West Avenue C, Belton, Texas. 76513. I encourage everybody to take some time and do this thing for a little Marty Jr. Um, this is just one of those things that can go a long way to helping him have a better life. Now, in San Antonio, they say behind every door is an opportunity. For the doors inside the South Texas Blood and Tissue Center, that's an understatement. 
The refrigerator doors that line a hospital services room hold a supply of blood for most of South Texas, and lately they've been put to use. Demand for blood is exceeding the supply. This week, the South Texas Blood and Tissue Center announced an emergency blood shortage. Without enough blood on the shelf, people will be limited in their ability to survive trauma and medical condition. Not having enough blood puts hospitals in tough decisions, having to delay surgeries and transfusions due to the lack of supply. The South Texas Blood and Tissue Center said that they needed about 2,400 quarts of blood on Sunday, but as far as they've only received about 80% of that, considering it's a season of giving, I think we should all try and not be so vampirish and try and donate some blood this season. It's important for us to have good blood supply. Um, so, for instance, if you're going to have surgery and they don't have the blood, they have to delay that surgery. And if it's a life-threatening surgery, your surgery is going to be delayed until they have enough blood. So it's important for us to all do our part and donate as much blood as we can, but not too much blood because then you'll die. Now it's time for some huckum, chuckum, football news. Week 15 of the NFL football season. It's getting closer and closer to the end. Unfortunately, we're going to have to end it. There'll be a Super Bowl, and then we have to wait eight grueling months for another season of the NFL football. But this week had some pretty interesting games, so let's break some of them down. The Atlanta Falcons faced off against the San Francisco 49ers, and I said that the 49ers would easily win that game against the Falcons. Boy, was I wrong. Julio Jones broke the plane and the 49ers' hearts within two seconds remaining. Matt Ryan hit Jones over the middle at the goal line for the game-winning score. The Falcons' wideout was initially ruled down at the one where time would have run out, but that call was actually overturned, and it came down to one play after Matt Ryan seemingly hit Austin Hooper for the goal-ahead touchdown. Only the tight end pressed the ball against the ground before appearing to make an acrobatic catch. The wild sequence of events capped off by Atlanta picking up a fumbled lateral in the end zone on the ensuing kickoff to score its second touchdown in five seconds. The Falcons scored their final two possessions to rally from 19-10 to 10 deficit in the final 10 minutes, and it, c- it continued a late-season surge for the Falcons. The Falcons... Barely pulled this out. It's almost kind of like a miracle thing. The 49ers are still doing okay. They're still in the lead in their conference. They're still sort of the best team in the NFC. But this was one of those weird games where you didn't expect the Falcons to win in the manner that they did. But it was an interesting last few minutes of the game. After a wonky start that included a pregame coin toss controversy and an opening kickoff landing out of bounds, the Cowboys played their most competitive game of the season. They dismantled the Rams in every phase. The stars shine bright in Dallas today. Dak Prescott delivered bombs, including a 59-yard touchdown to Tavon Austin. Ezekiel Elliott, Elliott, 160 yards from scrimmage. 117 of those were, were running yards. What can you say about the Cowboys at this position? They needed to win this game in order to continue their playoff hopes. They did so. Dallas won 44-21. to against a really tough Rams team, even though the Rams didn't play the best today, they're still a solid football team. This may push them out of the playoffs, but good for Dallas. They needed this win. They got this win. Now, as heartbreaking as this is for me to really to talk about this, today was Oakland's, the Raiders' last game in Oakland. Uh, the Oakland Coliseum has had its ups and downs through its crazy NFL career. 
Today was the last game for the Raiders there. I know everybody wanted the Raiders to win, being as it was their last game in Oakland. In my heart, I knew that wasn't going to happen. And even though it looked like it was in the first half, it didn't happen. The Jaguars actually came back from a 3-16 to deficit, and uh, they beat the Raiders. One of the worst teams in the football came back on the It's kind of like a Raiders curse. It's, I don't even know what to say about it because it was such a weird end to that game. There was a lot of things that went wrong. There was a lot of passes dropped. There was some calls missed. There was some calls made. Um, I, I want to say that mostly it's, it's what I expected from the Raiders' last game in Oakland because the Raiders always end up doing this to their fans, kind of like the Cowboys do it to their fans. It's one of those time timeless traditions of the Raiders to let us all down. We'll see that what Las Vegas brings. Hopefully it's some different luck, some different teams. I don't think that Derek Carr is going to be the quarterback for the Raiders next year. I don't know if the Raiders are going to even be good next year. It's going to be it's going to be weird. Good for Minshaw. Minshaw Mania is back. He really he really won this game for the, the Jaguars with 45 seconds left. And I don't want to take anything away from the guy because he definitely won this game. Um, just a sad way to end their Oakland time. Now, I did mention this uh, on Friday that the, the Texans and the Titans was going to be a game to watch. Now, basically, whoever won this game was kind of going to ensure their their playoff berth. And that's exactly what happened, and it was a really tough game. Both of these teams played hard. This was one of the, my favorite games to watch. Um, Texans 24, Titans 21. That The score kind of tells you the, the story. It was a really close game. Tannehill, he had some, some struggles in this game, but he also had struggled against one of the, the best defenses in the league. And the Texans, they struggled a little bit too, but... You could tell that both of these teams were really anxious going into this game. Both of these teams knew that they needed to win. Uh, the Texans were just able to pull it out. I mean, th- it was a really close game, and I think that I don't think the Texans are going to go far in the playoffs based off the way they've been playing the last few games. But they do have a chance. I still hope to kind of see the Titans in the wild card games, and if they win out, they could probably be in the wild card games, especially since the Raiders lost. Minnesota Vikings versus the Los Angeles Chargers. It, a couple of years ago, that would have sounded like it was going to be a pretty good game. It really wasn't. The Vikings blew the Chargers out 39-10. The Vikings still playing good. They're they're trying to finish this year off strong, and they're trying to get ready for the playoffs. And uh, Phillip Rivers is trying to break the records of the most interceptions thrown in one season, I guess. I mean, he's just throwing. It's weird to see Phillip Rivers throw balls the way he has been. It doesn't even look like he's targeting anybody. It looks like he's just hail marrying every time he throws the ball. This is a weird game to watch for Phillip Rivers. He's fallen off significantly. I don't think he'll be starting next week, but he just, he made them look bad today. Vikings pulled out a great win. Kansas City Chiefs versus the Denver Broncos. Normally, this is one of those really good rivalry games, and the Broncos have been playing really good the last few weeks. Did not look like that. Partially because it was snowing the whole game. The Chiefs ended up winning 23-3. to The most shocking thing about this was Patrick Mahomes throwing for 340 yards while it was snowing. Now, all due respect to Lamar Jackson, he's probably going to win the MVP. But after this game, you really have to put Patrick Mahomes in there running with him because I don't know how he even saw on the field. 
It was raining. It was snowing heavy. Throwing 340 yards in that, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody do that before. They made the Broncos look silly. Because normally when it's snowing like this, it's it's kind of a running game. Mostly that's what you see in these snow games. Patrick Mahomes didn't care about snow. He threw every ball he possibly could, and he made some really good throws. Chiefs are going to be hard to beat. I really hope I see the Chiefs in the in the, the Ravens in the AFC Championship game. Now, the Packers and the Bears. This is the 200th meeting between the Packers and the Bears. And whew, it's this game was supposed to be really, really good. Now, the Bears, they're okay. I don't want to give them too much hype because Mitch Trubisky is getting better and the Bears are getting better. I love Khalil Mack. I think he's one of the best defensive players to ever play the game. This game was tough for them. But I think it mostly is just tough because it's Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is so hard to to nail down. He seems like he's running more. He's using his feet more. He's throwing every pass imaginable. He's throwing off his back foot. It's hard to figure out where he's going to throw. And it's hard to see these passes go as accurately as they do from the angles that he's throwing them. It was hard to stop him. I mean, 21-13, to 13, Packers easily won this game. But it was still a well-played game by the Bears. They just they can't handle Aaron Rodgers. And I don't know if anybody in the NFC's defense is going to be able to, to handle Aaron Rodgers at his best. And this is where he starts to be the Aaron Rodgers we know. So it's going to be an interesting way that... It's just going to be interesting to see how this all shakes down for the NFC and who's going to be in the NFC Championship game. But I definitely think the Packers have a chance of being in that game. The Buccaneers versus the Lions is kind of... What could you say? I did say the Bucks look good. Good now, the last few games they played, uh, Jameis Winston looks good. He looked good today. He scored thirty-eight points against the line, seventeen points. The Bucks pretty easily won this game. If the Bucks had played like this earlier in the season, we'd be talking about them being one of the best teams in the NFC. But they didn't, and now they're just struggling to to catch up to everybody. They'll end up finishing probably even. This is an interesting game to see. I, I didn't watch the game, but I watched the highlights, and it was interesting to see. It, they look like a really good team versus the Lions. But also, it's the Lions, so you can't really tell because the Lions just are bad. But um, we'll see what the, the Bucks do for the rest of the year. Hopefully, they can rebuild next year. Seahawks versus the Panthers. Uh, things got a little hairy late, but the Seahawks defense down four starters held it together with the win until Carolina's late 14-0 run. It was hard to tell whether uh, Jadavian Clowney or Ziggy Anshall or Michael Kendricks and Shaquille Griffin were even inactive, but it was clear that they missed a down on the stretch. The last half of this game was kind of a kind of a good game. It didn't start off that way, but you know when the Carolina Panthers scored 14 unanswered points against the Seahawks, you start to kind of worry. It was kind of one of those. Uh, Almost a comeback. They almost got there, but the Seahawks defense started to kind of wake up and they realized, oh, wait, they're scoring points on us. They're only six points away. We better stop them. Um, and the Seahawks haven't really scored on the opening drive since week nine. The Seahawks offense looks a little bit, I don't know. They look a little bit off. It's hard to hard to pinpoint what's going on. And Russell Wilson doesn't look like he's himself right now. I feel like he's got an injured foot or something because he doesn't look he looks like he's babying his right leg i think there's an injury that we don't know about 
I think they should probably start considering maybe sitting him for a couple of games if that's the case, because they're in a good spot for the playoffs, but they're not going to go far if he's hurt and he can't really move the way he wants to move. But um, luckily they pulled this one out, the 30 to 24. Wasn't a bad game to watch. The last half of the game was pretty exciting. The Patriots versus the Bengals. Now, there's a lot of controversy going into this game, and it was sort of neck and neck between the Patriots and the Bengals in the first half. But New England reviewed all the tape that they recorded last week from the Bengals, and they ended up sewing up the second half. Uh, They did clinch their playoff spot with this game. Andy Dalton had (laughs) four interceptions. Three were in one quarter. It's, uh, It's hard not to say that... I don't know. I just don't like the Patriots. I feel like they're cheaters. They're going to go down as cheaters. This tape that they just recorded of the Bengals last week seems like it had a part to play in this, but they didn't really get the tape. When I say that, that a joke, the tape was confiscated by the NFL, and it's under review right now. Um, But the Patriots, you know, this is the most points they've scored in a few weeks. They almost look like they were back. The Bengals did give them a hard time in the first half, but uh, Tom Brady kind of picked it up, and Julian Edelman, you know, he didn't really do that much until the second half. It was an interesting game to watch. It was interesting to see how they were going to play this out, but the Bengals looked better than they did all season. Uh, New England 34, Bengals 13. New York Giants versus the Miami Dolphins. I don't think anybody really cares about this game, but uh, Saquon Barley is definitely back. Eli Manning's definitely back. The Giants scored 36 points. The Dolphins scored 20 points. The Giants won. Not much else you can say about the game because none of these teams matter right now. Now to a game that did matter, the Eagles and the Redskins. Now, if the Eagles definitely needed this win to stay in the race. They needed the Cowboys to lose. The Eagles did win. It was against the Redskins. I think we all knew that, that was going to happen 37 eagles redskins 27 it's there's still a few games left so the cowboys have to win the rest of the games and if the philadelphia eagles continue to win the rest of the games basically whichever team loses first is going to be knocked out of the playoff contention so it's going to be interesting to see how these teams go for the next few games um not a bad game for the eagles they had a few little missteps here and there the redskins were trying to come back on them um but Philadelphia seems almost solid. Their running back situation is not the best, but it was a good game. Um, y'all better, y'all Cowboys fans better hope the Eagles lose and the Cowboys don't lose because it's getting pretty pretty hairy right about now. Now the Cardinals versus the Browns. <sighs> Two weeks after an absolutely dreadful performance, the Cardinals look like a completely different team. It, it was hard to it's hard to put my head around it, but starting with let's start with the offense. The Cardinals punched the Browns in the mouth. Their opening drive, they had a ten play ninety yard march that capped off a, a speed run by a Kenyon Drake touchdown. Drake had four touchdowns, four rushing touchdowns, made the Browns defense look really bad. Showed you how much they miss Miles Garrett. Um, the Cardinals, it's, it's like I said, this is a weird week for NFL football because a lot of these NFL teams that look really bad early on in the season look really good today. Like, the Cardinals looked really good today. They didn't look like the Cardinals that have been losing. They hurt the Browns. They hurt the Browns' pride. A lot of the players on the sidelines did not look happy. A lot of those star players, and y'all know who I'm talking about, they didn't look like they wanted to be there. 
I was really surprised that the Cardinals beat them this bad. 38-24. to Interesting, interesting game. And now it's time for a Texas tradition of talking about the weather. Thunderstorms in Houston today with a high of 75 and a low of 40. Partly cloudy in San Antonio today with a high of 68 and a low of 36. There's going to be some clouds early in Dallas today with a high of 48 and a low of 32. Austin's going to have some clouds also early today with a high of 61 and a low of 35. It's going to be bright and sunny in El Paso today with a high of 52 and a low of 29. Uh, Brownsville's going to be a little warm today. There's going to be gusts of winds at 20 miles an hour. High's going to be 85, but it's going to dip to a low of 48. Uh, Victoria, Texas today has expected a bunch of thunderstorms with a high of 74 and a low of 38. Uh, Palacios, we got some high wind and, and some thunderstorms also with a high of 75 and a low of 38. Uh, Marfa's going to be beautiful just like El Paso, bright and sunny with a high of 56 and a low of 25. So get your jackets ready. And if I've missed any region in Texas that you're in, shoot me a message. I'll be glad to add it to my weather report. Other than that, that's all for today. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned tomorrow for another update on the news and on one more NFL football game. Have a great day, Texas. Mm-hmm.